Welcome back to Out of the Question, brought to you by The Kicker, a newsletter in which I write about personal stuff mixed in with some film and TV industry stuff. That's thekicker.substack.com. This week's guest on Out of the Question is the comedian and TV host, Tom Ballard. You all know Tom from Triple J, multiple hosting and guesting engagements on the ABC and Channel 10, as well as the iconic Tonightly with Tom Ballard. We talk about that here. There's also his stand-up and his book, I Millennial. And now he's back with two new Melbourne Comedy Festival shows, It Is I, which is at the Victoria Hotel from March 30, and also Yes Slash No, a comedy lecture, which is also at the Victoria Hotel from April 15. Tickets at the festival website. As usual, I started by asking Tom how his colleagues would describe him. Who do you mean? I have no... If it's my workers from Tonightly that I work hmm. with in my ABC show, I guess they'd say absent at this point because the show's been cancelled and I haven't had any co-workers since, you know? It, that was a great tragedy of Australian television. Cancelling <laughs> that. I loved it. It was it was a fun show. It was nice, but no one no one watched it, which is interesting. I, I'm told I don't know much about the business. I'm told that <laughs> ABC executives and TV executives generally are really invested in people watching watching the shows that you're making. <laughs> mean and a little bit precious for me, but um, <laughs> apparently, yeah, you need to make a good show, and people have to watch it. It's it seems way too hard to me. Yeah. That that is a difficult thing to actually do is to make something good and have people watch it. Yes, because there are terrible shows that lots of people watch and there are great shows that nobody watches. But to get that sweet spot of good show, people watching, that's hard. It's, it's very hard. Uh, how long did it take you to recalibrate after that? You've written a book since then and gone back into stand-up and everything. I mean, it's... <laughs> I've bounced like, back. I've got my life back on track somehow. Yeah, you kind of need to, pieces. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's a strange... It's a, it's a, it's a funny thing having a show cancelled. Like I've had it happen, and it's you know it's a little bit traumatic. Look, it, it is it is an odd thing in that um, I mean it was a very weird time, and it because it was so charged, you know, the political nature of our work. I mean, I, I, people seem to think that we were cancelled because we were too dangerous and the liberal government hated us. I I just sincerely think it was just too expensive, and and we weren't getting the ratings. The, 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 and the ABC had unrealistic ratings expectations of that show, and if our show was to create content that connected with young people that was kind of supposed to cut through online, I think we were doing a pretty good job of that. But anyway, mm. um, so yes, it was just a crazy time, and then they cancelled us, and then we had three weeks left on air, so we started going nuts, and that's when people actually started paying attention. There was this great irony that people were tuning in to see us being cancelled, and that was a really fun, manic, creative time that we are having a lot of uh, fun with. But also, it was all exhausting too. So really, even if we had been renewed, there's a question mark as to whether the physical bodies of everyone involved were going to be able to keep up the pace of, of, of making that show on the kind of budget that we had. So the end of the show was sad and it was sort of uh, tinged with all this uh, political nonsense. And there was a lot of joy in there as well because we I thought we did, did do a really fun job towards the end. But it was also just, I was just so tired. So yeah, not having to do that every day was a big relief. And then getting back into stand-up and being able to write jokes. You know, the show I did the next year was called Enough. And that was like, I think, my favorite show that I'd done to date because it was just like, it just was me saying exactly what I wanted to say. I had a whole bunch of jokes about Tonightly and um, mm. how angry I was at the state of the world. And um, that was a lot of fun to do, yeah. And now with the podcast, 
do, do you still like get to exercise that muscle in the way that you want? I'm still, yeah, still really engaged and, and even a bit freer. We were pretty free on tonightly, but you know, there were still some ABC editorial policies that obviously dictated what we couldn't, 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 couldn't say. They were very good to us, really. They'd let us, let, they let most of the spiciest stuff through, yeah, yeah. Um, which was great. But yes, there was still just the nature of working at a mainstream organization like that, particularly one that's under political pressure like the ABC, but where, yeah, there are some things that you just can't say. Um, but so yes, the freedom of podcasting is that you can say whatever the hell you want and not get any money for it at all, but <laughs> the artistic <laughs> freedom to sort of let that out. So that's, that's quite nice. Question two, mate. I guess this is a neat segue. What's the most unhelpful feedback you've received? <laughs> Oh uh, yeah, everything written by Jared Henderson in the Australian about me and my yes, work. Yes. Um <laughs> I still think of I don't know, it's so funny. When you're trying to be funny, and this is in terms of like career feedback, really, but mm. yes, when you're trying to be funny, it is uh, when you when we, you're hoping to make people laugh, you are just constantly up against the perception that there is some universal rule of comedy. And if someone doesn't find something funny, then it doesn't make sense for other people to find it funny. And they cannot accept and just, just embrace the fact that comedy is inherently a very subjective art form. And the fact that they did not find it funny does not mean that's, that there's been a fraud of some kind. or someone's <laughs> pulling up. It's, just, it's just not for you. Okay. I think the most powerful <laughs> phrase in life is just not for me. If everyone just said not for me and moved on with their day, we'd all be so much happier. But, um, uh, yes, I remember I used to do the Melbourne Comedy Roadshow, which is going, you know, touring around regional Australia with a bunch of other comedians, and you do a show. And you were forced by the law of the contract of doing that show to then go out in the lobby afterwards with the other comedians and sign merch. If they buy a comedy festival merch or roadshow merch, then you would sign it afterwards or whatever. And the members of regional Australia, God bless them, I used to be one of them would come up to you that uh, after those shows and let you know exactly who they liked and who they did not enjoy in the show. They would rank you. They would identify their favorites. Uh, they would apologize to the person that they hated. Oh, <laughs> my be God. Like, they'd be like, oh, you, sorry, you were the worst one for me. I'm really sorry. Oh. And it's like, you could have just, <laughs> just not not told us that information, just smile yeah. and carried on with your day. But anyway, for some reason, people felt this need to um to rank us all, to give us feedback on our comedy, um, and that was always uh the last, particularly if it had been a tough gig for you afterwards. That's the last thing you needed to do to be signing merch that you were getting no money for whatsoever, and being told by uh by people <laughs> of Unbury WA that you weren't the funniest one. <laughs> I I had a feature film on at the Melbourne Film Festival in two thousand and eight, and afterwards I went into the audience, and this actor who was kind of well-known. He's a kind of a guest star guy. You'd always see him about as a guest star. And he just walked up to me and he said, hey, Adam, I just want you to know uh, that I hated that film. <laughs> Why? And, and I went, oh, okay. oh, okay. I was like kind of flawed. Anyway, two weeks later, he went to jail. So, uh, Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was uh, well, you a naughty then, boy. Huh? Oh, good. did he explain why? Or no, he just told you? No, it was just a brutal. It just, I, he hated it. He had a visceral reaction. He hated it. Mm. I just think, I think comedy is such a mystery, and most showbiz is such a mystery to anybody. And fair enough. Why would you care or be too invested in the feelings of uh, showbiz performers or, or or know much about the process or whatever? But it's just so bizarre and removed. You know, people always think like if you do some great crowd work, that they're a plant 
Um, yeah. They think that you're making it all up off the top of your head. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, they, yeah, just even though comedians are obsessed with stand-up comedy and the idea of writing jokes, et cetera, most people, it is just such a tiny part of their life that they don't really think about, even when they go into see comedy. Yeah. So, of course, yes, they're not too invested in the process or how their comments to you afterwards in person might affect uh, your <laughs> ego. <laughs> it's good. It keeps you humble. It really does. Uh, question three, mate. What is the failure you most cherish? Yeah, I mean, this is another sort of stand-up thing, I guess. I did a show in 2014, a stand-up show called Un-Australian-ish. This is the year after I quit Triple J Breakfast or, or finished up um, after four years of doing the, the breakfast show on Triple J, which was like, yeah, an amazing job that I felt very lucky for to do. Um, but I left that to pursue TV and stand-up. And uh, proceeded to write a stand-up show that wasn't very good, um, which was a real, real error. I should have made it good. Um, <laughs> it was a, it was the story of this family holiday I went on in nine, in the nineteen nineties with my family, and it was like a slideshow. Like I literally had actual old school slides made with photos from the trip and drawings from my diary. And uh, and yes, they were they were cute, very cute drawings and stuff. And there were moments of, of all right jokes in that show, but it would just it didn't sort of work together. But I cherish it because it was this sort of step towards a more theatrical version. It was me trying something really different. It was me pursuing what I wanted to do. Um, it got two stars from the Herald Sun, <laughs> um, and you know I've, I've let that go, obviously. <laughs> but. Uh, but also if I hadn't done that show, then I wouldn't end up doing a show I did in 2016, which was sort of with a PowerPoint, um, the show called Boundless Planes to Share, which was you know, a comedy lecture. I sort of landed on this format of a comedy lecture, um, uh, which I've done since and, and I'm doing again this year. And yes, I just, I'm grateful on reflection, even though I hated the experience of doing the show, particularly halfway through the comedy festival where that review comes out and you think, oh, what's the fucking point? Yeah. Um, yes. The looking back at it is like, oh, I, I wouldn't, have been able to do this other cool stuff if I hadn't tried that thing and, and failed and not pulled it off. And then that guy who gave me a two-star review saw my show in 2021 and gave me four and a half stars. Now that's a terrible way to like to operate as an artist, to invest in like any kind of, uh, uh, to put, to invest too much into the things that reviewers say, but for whatever reason that was, that felt like a vindication. Yeah. I mean, so, so did you, what did you learn about the slides, the, the format of the slides versus the PowerPoint that, that you went, Oh, okay, well, I won't do that, but I will do that. Yes. Well, forward. the slides was insane because of it's like PowerPoints way funnier because of the timing it's instantaneous and the novelty of having a slideshow with an actual old school slide projector was just, just, it didn't even make sense. Cause it's not like, <laughs> it's not like at any point in my childhood, we were actually going through old school slides and the, the, the uh, holiday was in the nineties. So it's not that far away. So we weren't actually operating in slides. I guess the joke was like, it's a family slideshow and we're going back over this. Um, yeah. Yeah. Slide, yeah. But of course that wouldn't have happened. So it didn't make sense. And just the timing of physically moving slides was terrible for comedy. In terms of right. Uh, it, it makes so much sense. Now you explain it. Yeah. I mean, it, but yeah, the PowerPoint basically kind of bang, bang, bang. Whereas the slides. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Um, Question four is what word or phrase do you most overuse? Thinking about this, I used to say awesome sauce a lot in a sort of <laughs> unironic way. I guess that was like a funny and kooky phrase. And I'm glad I've stopped doing that. I see Rove McManus has named his show Awesome Sauce this year, which is quite funny. <laughs> um, uh, 
the expression I, I use, I just just end up being material. But I used to be, I used to say on stage like, "Hey everyone, are you ready for some craziness? You ready for some comedyness? Woohoo!" Just like an annoying turn of phrase that I used to <laughs> say on stage, which then turned out to be funny because uh, when I ho- co-hosted Q and A, guest hosted Q and A. Um, I was very nervous before doing it in a live show. And I turned to the audience and I said, Hey everyone, are you ready for some Q and A-ness? <laughs> that didn't go over very well. They, they just looked at me and thought, where the fuck is Tony Jones? <laughs> so um, that's the expression I use too much. But these days I would say the word I keep falling back on is extraordinary. I keep saying that a lot for some reason. I don't know why I, in, in that, like often talking about something hor- horribly politically, it's extraordinary that these people keep getting, keep getting away with it. It's extraordinary how fucked up this, this is, etc. So yeah, yeah I yeah. want to try and look up a thesaurus for extraordinary. It's, it's like, it reminds me of when people say interesting too, it's like, are you talking about in just is something interesting or are you talking about yes. in the Chinese sense of the word? <laughs> you know, <it's> like... <laughs> I know that's such a, yeah, no, I thought it was interesting. That's what you hear yeah. after a bad play. I reckon whenever you're yeah. walking out of a play, everyone <laughs> before you is like, oh, it's interesting. I actually, it was interesting to me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I was interested in what they were saying. I wasn't entertained, amused delighted or invested but i was interested that's right that was like great line um uh, john cleese and his father were watching uh some sort of dance thing by the british dance academy on bbc one afternoon and it was very pretentious and john cleese's father turned to the young john cleese and said never confuse this for entertainment That's good. Uh, well, uh, you know, good thing that John Cleese didn't let that affect him in any way. <laughs> that, that's a bitter old fuck. Yeah, that's what do it. you think about Faulty Towers coming back? Do you think that's? <sighs> is there any way that can be any no. way good? No. no, I mean it's just I, I I can't I just can't see a world I I I can't see how it could be good. Mm. Um, even with the best people, you well, know, so pointed out to be too. It's not like they've commissioned it too. Like John Cleese has this ability if he says a, a thought bubble. And he, I know he's had this meeting yeah. with Rob Reiner about it, but it's, there's no network who's saying this is happening. They're just oh, like, this is right. something that we want to do. We haven't written a script or anything. So, oh, so whether it actually, whether it even happens is still very much, because he's also got, he's going to do work at GB News or something as well. And yeah. Go full anti-work craziness. So. And that never happened, did it? I don't know if he's on that. Sure, yeah, surely we would have seen some clips of John Yeah, Cruz yeah, yeah. No, I, this point, yeah. So he just kind of like, he's a bit of a, he just like you know feels like he needs a bit of a sugar hit, and so he tweets something out. Hey, <laughs> good luck to him. You know, I hope he gets a break. I really do. <laughs> ABC will probably get him to host a fucking show on Friday night. So um, <laughs> you know, just to give him a really break, you know, good break, and just we need to hear more from John Cleese. I think. So, uh, good luck to them all. <laughs> Tom, the final question: uh, Do you have a motto? I don't really have a have a regular daily motto. I was thinking. A phrase that I really love remembering is um, there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Now, this is something that I learned in my millennial socialism rabbit hole exploration that I regurgitated for my for my book. Um, uh, yeah, this is what left-wing people say, like socialist left-wing people say all the time. And there's a grain of truth to it, which is like, oh, we, we talk, we, you know, we obsess over our individual consumer choices as if that's the way to change the world. And that's pretty much bullshit. 
Um, but it's also a fantastic excuse to get you out of feeling guilty about buying from horrific companies or <laughs> eating meat or anything. It's just like the whole system's cooked. Your choices don't make a lick of difference in the grand scheme of things. So, you know, just enjoy yourself. While you're railing against capitalism, you may as well enjoy all the little treats that we get. So that's a fun one to remember to that's ease good. your conscience and help you sleep at night. Like you, you can't play ignorance. If you're a socialist, no. of course, you know how exploitative the whole system is and how yes. ridiculous. But you get to say, I know that, but me changing this consumer choice isn't going to change that whole exploitative system. So I may as well get this, um, yeah, this Amazon, <laughs> McDonald's, Tesla, or whatever the fuck. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to sign up to The Kicker where you can see bonus video content on episodes as well as heaps of other journalism and opinion. That's thekicker.substack.com. See you next time.